excited to get to be here tonight and so glad that you decided to join me tonight. It's way more fun to preach when you're not alone. Um, but I'm, I am excited. Uh, I started a series last week. Just, I entitled it Unclaimed Riches. And it's just this, this idea that God has so much full, more for us than what most of us are walking in. And I kind of, I begin to look at it and begin to realize that there is this myth that the world is what I see. And, and that is a myth that if we believe will leave us deprived and will leave us in a mess. Um, has anyone ever played hide-and-go-seek with a really little kid? Like, so kid becomes mobile. Man. You, gotta, you play hide-and-go-seek with like a three-year-old and it's a riot. But one of the things that they're going to do is hide where they can't see you, but everybody can see them. Like, they like go stand in the corner and they're like, ha, 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 you can't see me. Your butt's sticking out. Like, we all see it. But as long as they've got their eyes covered, they're like, well, I don't see you, so you're not there. If I can't see you, you can't see me. And there's this, this myth in the kids' eyes that only what they see is there and only counts. And when we get older, like, you, we kind of grow out of it, but not entirely. Okay, my wife is amazing, and I'll, I'll say that all the time, but she has a couple of superpowers, or I would call them superpowers. One of them, and I don't know if any other guys online or in the room can relate to this, but my wife can locate things that I can't locate while they're directly in front of me. So she'll tell you, she's like, hey, head into the fridge, and it should be right there, or hey, open up the, the pantry, it's on like the second shelf on the right, and you like walk over there, and you're looking, and you're like, nope, nope, it's not there. She's like, check again, and you're like, it's not there. And she like walks up, here it is. I'm like, what? How did that just appear? Like, it's like this magical gift to torment me, where there is no, it is not there, and then, poof, as soon as she walks up and reaches, it, it shows up. And um, it's, it's great fun at home, mostly. But the, the, the point, sometimes it's really annoying because I, I like to find things. But my, my point is that just because I didn't see it didn't mean it wasn't there. Doesn't mean it isn't real. Doesn't even mean that I didn't pay for it. It just means that I didn't see it. The problem is that as Christians, a lot of times we look at things that we've heard in the Bible and we've heard preachers say, and we go, you know what? Yeah, I know that they say that this is for me or the Bible may say that, but I haven't seen it. Therefore, I don't believe it. And it can be very easy to go, isn't the world only what I see? Because that's what I've seen. But there's more than meets the eye. There's more than what we meet, what we see right here. In fact, Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He goes, all of this is for you. Everything, he goes, God wants to give you everything that he's got. And if you're living short of that, he goes, there's, there's more that's for you. And, and he goes through this, and Paul prays in, in Ephesians 1.18, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? 
He goes, I'm going to pray that you know. Not that you would have, because you already have. You just don't know what you have. And I don't know if anyone else has ever had something and not known what they have. Um, so my father-in-law has done a lot of different things. In amongst them, he used to do a lot of building, and he has lots of extra tools. And he gave me some tools. Another friend gave me some tools. And then they gave me like a pile of them. I'm like, sweet. Some of them I'm like, yeah, I always wanted one of those. Some of them I'm like, what is that? And uh, so as time goes on, another friend was going to come help me do a project. And he was going to help me like, not like a little project. We totally gutted the kitchen and redid it. And so he goes and he goes through this and he's like, all right, we're going to need a speed square for this one. I'm like, what? He's like, a speed square. I'm like, sweet, you're helping. Let's go buy a speed square. So like, let's go to the hardware store. I'll, I'll buy whatever we need because you're helping me on my project. And I'm just thrilled to have this help from someone who knows what they're doing. And, and so we go and we're, we're there. We're picking up a couple different things we're going to need. And we get to these different aisles. And he walks in front of this and he goes, so this is a speed square. And I'm like, oh, I have one of those. <laughs> my father-in-law gave that to me. It's collecting dust. It's in the garage. Like, I just didn't know what it was for. Like, I didn't know... I'm like, I, I figured it's going to help you draw a straight line. I didn't know it was called a speed square. Like, what, what is this thing? He's like, these things are amazing. I'll show you what to do with it. And then I did tile with him with it. And then someone stole my speed square. And I was like, no, I love that thing. But it was this amazing shift. And I went and bought another one. And then someone returned it. It got stuck in, the, in a box of tools that someone borrowed. But I, I had this thing that was mine that was unused and unbeneficial. And then once I discovered what it was that I had, I realized I loved the thing that I had and it could be so helpful for the things that I was called to do. And I think that as Christians, a lot of times that's the boat that we're in, that, that God has things that he's given us and we're like, what? I have a speed square? What? I have a fruit of the spirit? What? I have a gift? Oh, I have an identity? I have a purpose? I have a calling in my life? Oh, you have positioned me in Christ with you in heavenly places? And there's all of these different things that God has positioned, God has given to us that we often just don't know. And if we don't know we have it, we're often in the store, walking through the aisles, looking for something that God already gave us. And we're sitting here going, I'll pay for it. I need this. But lo and behold, Jesus already paid for it. And it's already ours. We just don't know what we have. As I, as I begin looking at this, I, I say, okay, I, I've one more verse, and then we're going to get to, to new. This is somewhat reviewish if you were here last week. But Jude 3 says, I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation. I found it necessary to write, appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. He says that it is one salvation package delivered once and for all for all the saints. Because as I get into the different things that we have, it's very easy to think that Christianity is tiered. It's like, I got the first tier, they got this tier, and I'm like, ooh, yeah, we all got this benefit, but they're up here with these benefits. He goes, that's not how it works. And so when you see and you look and you go, hey, this is a promise that somebody else is walking in, well, guess what? He said he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. So all of them are available to all of the believers. He goes, I am making all that I have available to you. Now, how much we use 
is up to us because just having it doesn't guarantee that we use it. Um, yeah, and I, as I begin to look at this, I was just amazed at how, how many different things. And so I, I was laying out this week, I'm like, all right, <clears throat> I did a series on this before and I, I, I looked at it, my notes, and there was nine parts, but then I found that there was 9.1, 9.3, and 9. Point, I think there was like number nine had like nine, three points or nine, I don't know, it was ridiculous. So anyways, I was like, there's a whole bunch there and that doesn't cover everything. I'm like, what do I want to cover with you guys tonight? I mean, there's so much that's available to us in Christ. And then I was looking at a list from Ephesians chapter one and two, and this is just a great exercise if you're like, hey, I want to spend time with Jesus and I don't know where to start. Ephesians one and two, if you read through them and circle or square, whatever, however you want to mark it in your Bible, every time it says in Christ, with Christ, in whom, in him, any of those, those prepositions there, if you mark them, you can see this list. There's about 14 or 15 things that list right there in Ephesians 1 and 2 that are available to us in Christ. And I was glancing down at this list, and then I noticed it was almost the last three were all like linked. And it just like enamored me this week. So he goes, he raises up with him, and this is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are once afar off have been brought near. So we've been, we're with him, brought near, um, and through him, we, both, we have access by one spirit to the Father. And it was this with him that just stuck out to me. I'm like, he just went through saying that we're with him, have access, and been brought near. I'm like, all three of these are in their description descriptions of proximity to him. And I, I begin to look and go, okay, you think this is a big deal because I'm going through this list and I got all these different things, but you bring up this point three different ways in this chapter. Why? Why is this so important? And I, I kind of started as I pondered, does anyone know anybody who name drops and they're like dropping the, these names, these important people? And, and that's the thing where people will sit here and they'll, they'll drop a name and they're like, oh yeah, when I, when I was talking to, and they like throw out some really important person and you're like, you know them? Yeah, yeah, we go way back. And maybe they do, maybe they don't. But you get these different people who, who name drop. But as I think about it, I'm like, well, we've got a name to drop. We've got the name above all names, he says, that we're in relationship with. But there's this truth to this old saying. I don't know if you guys have heard this. Has anyone heard the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's a very profound and sometimes frustrating truth. Um, if you know a lot, it's frustrating because you're like, I, I, I know this. And it's really, they're like, well, yeah, but it's about who you know so often. My wife was in college and getting like perfect grades because my wife is amazing and working really hard to get those perfect grades. And then she, she's talking to her, her dad and he's like, really? It's about who you know not just what you know. If you ignore everyone else in college and get really good grades, he goes, you missed it. He's like, you need to build connections and relationships that will open up doors, not just get good grades. And like, don't, 
get bad grades on purpose here, but he's just talking about the importance of these relationships. And as I begin to look, I begin to realize that relationships open doors. I've had people who I know who said, hey, when you're going to go get that, you tell them that I sent you. If you tell them that I sent you, they'll give you a discount. You know what? It's a, and they'll go through and they open up a door and they, they give me favor with someone I didn't even know just because I can walk in and go, hey, Doug sent me. And they're, oh, oh, Doug sent you? Yeah, yeah. All right, let me hook you up. And they go through this and I get blessed because of the person that I know. Knowing people makes a difference. Last week, our basement flooded, which was not on our agenda for that day. And so you, you come like downstairs and there's water standing in the basement and you're like, no, and you're like running and sucking it up. And Amanda was like quick to both help me there and quick to get on her phone and post like, hey, we're having a flood in the basement. And we have all these different people like, hey, do you need a dehumidifier? Do you need a fan? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. So I'm like running like five dehumidifiers and a whole bunch of fans. And, and, and then other friends came over to help rip things out and move things out of the way because furniture is better moved with lots of guys. And so you know, we're going through this and just realizing how much of a blessing it is with these people that we know. And as I begin to think about this, I realized that a lot of times we can value the people that are in our lives while discounting the God who wants to be in our life. And he goes, I want to have a relationship with you. And you were like, oh, well, that's so sweet. And, and just kind of write it off. But he says that his name is above every name. John 14, 13 says, whatever you ask in his name, he will do that the Father may be glorified. And he goes through and, and lists that he wants to bless you, that he wants to be in a relationship with you. And we often, we fully, we don't understand how amazing this is. We don't understand what Jesus made a way through. Um, I don't know how many of you guys have read through the boring parts of the Old Testament because there is exciting parts in the Old Testament and then there are parts that some people who, when they're reading it, like this is most of us, I think, on our first pass through the Old Testament, we're like, yeah, cool, story, sto uh, story. And you just like flip through a bunch of pages and you're like, what was that? You're like, that was a bunch of people's names and they had babies. And that's what it says. It's like this person had a baby who had a baby who had a baby who had a baby who had a baby. Who had a baby who had... How many babies did you have? Like you just go through this list and then you're going through, you're like, hey, I made it through the who had a baby. And then you're like, and now there's a whole bunch of rules on how they're going to build a temple or a tabernacle, and they're like, here's the animal skins that they're going to collect, and here's how many posts and how many rings it's going to have, and here's how they're going to sew it. You're like, really? And then what kind of furniture is going to be in it? And then how they're going to beat the... And you're like, okay. Okay, so I might have done that before, uh, but, but I, have, I have read through it. So, but you know, as, as I was reading through it, I discovered some important things. So in one of those sections that is easy to kind of skip through, it's Leviticus 16, and he's talking about what they need to do to be able to come into the presence of God. And so in order for the people to be right with God and to be able to, to meet with God, the priest, once a year, he, he, he had to go and take a bull and a ram and sacrifice them. He had to get them. They had, had, oh, sorry, before he gets them, then he has to take a bath. Then he's got to put on a special robe with a special sash and special undergarments. Um, then he's got to get, he's got to sacrifice them. Then he's got to get two male goats, um, one to die as a sin offering and one to carry the guilt. Then he's got to take a censer full of 
um, incense, and it's not just like full of incense. It has to be two handfuls of incense. It has to be a sweet incense, and it has to be brought in as he's going to go into, because their, their tabernacle was set up with like sections, and the further in you got, the closer to God's presence you were, the less people that were allowed to be there and the more things that you had to do to get there. And so you're going through this and you're like, okay, so he, he's, he's already collected the offering. He's got to offer this offering. He's got to have taken a bath, put on the special robe, wrapped up. Like it's this whole outfit that he's got to have on. He's got to be clean. He's got to take this uh, the sensor full of these hot coals and this incense. And it states that he's got to do it this way so that he doesn't die. It's kind of a big deal. Like you go into this wrong and you die. Not like, hey, you go into this wrong and they tell you, stop, you did it wrong. No, it's like, do this wrong and you're going to fall over dead. And you're like, what, really? And so then he's got to go in. Once he goes in there with the, the bull's blood, then he's got to sprinkle this on the, the mercy seat. He's got to do it with his finger. He's got to do it seven times. Then he's got to go back out for the people and get the, the blood from the ram to do the same thing so that they can be forgiven and encounter God. But even still, he was the only one allowed all the way into the Holy of Holies while the rest of the people had to stay out. And I look and I go, that's a lot of work that, that, that these guys are, are going through because they want to be, encounter God in his presence. But check this out. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. He himself is our peace who made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Colossians 2.14. By canceling the record of the debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. This is what this means. That my relationship with God no longer hinges on my perfection, but on his. He goes, I want a relationship with you. But that requires something that you could never do. So I'll do it. He goes, I want to be in relationship with you. God made a way. And as I was kind of like playing with this idea in my head, it was like God gave us a key to the door, to his presence. I'm like, this is awesome. He has granted me access. He's given me the key. And then I looked at the Bible and realized that, that was not what he did. He didn't give us a key to the door. He literally blew the door off the hinges. Or in this case, he actually ripped the curtain in two. See, as, as we, we look at this setup from the Old Testament, they carried it on into the New Testament, and they had this temple, and there was this, again, there were stages where people could get to, and before the Holy of Holies, there was a curtain that was like four inches thick. It was this massive and this tall curtain. When the Bible says in Matthew chapter 27, 51, that when Jesus died, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earthquakes quaked and the rocks were split. Jesus just didn't give us a key to the door to his presence. He removed the door and said, I want to be with you. I want to be in relationship with you. And in Christ, you get to be with me, walk with me. I loved Pastor Jake's message this morning, and I just thought it was funny. I don't know if you, but 
he, you know, his, his statement was, God desires a nonstop connection with us. When I was writing these notes, and I started writing this, this idea that, about being with him, that God wants this relationship with us, and what this looks like, I looked, and I, I don't know if you ever like, think that God is wrong. Okay, but it, it's stupid, but I, I, that's what I did. So um, I'm sitting here, and I, I'm, like, I'm going through these notes, and this is what's standing out to me, and I'm like, oh, this, I'm starting to write things down, but I'm like, this is the wrong crowd for this message. Like, let's be real. It is the 4th of July. If you don't love Jesus, you're probably not here, right? Like, maybe you're watching on a replay and you've never heard of Jesus. But um, typically here in America, the 4th of July, everybody's hanging out doing something unless you really love Jesus. And you're like, hey, I'm, I'm here. So I'm like, God, are you sure this is the right message for the 4th of July? And then I get Jake's stuff and I'm like, Jake, you're teaching the same thing the same topic that I'm teaching. Maybe God's got a point he wants to get across. But, but as I looked, I'm like, well, but, but why? Like, yes, I know that God desires a nonstop connection with us. And if I, if I look at his plan, I can go through my Bible from start to finish, and I can look that in Genesis that God's plan was to have a relationship with us. That he goes, I'm going to make you, I'm going to put you in a garden, and we're going to walk together every day. And, and it's going to be wonderful. And you, you look and you see it, where when Adam and Eve sinned, they, it says that they heard the sound of God walking in the garden, and they recognized it. You don't recognize a sound you've never heard. And it talks about the time of the day. Now, if you're hearing a sound, and it brings up a time of the day, that's because something regularly happens at that time of day, right? So it is my conclusion that God regularly walked with them in the cool of the day. This was his plan. This was his desire. Says, I want a relationship with you. And they hear it, they look at the time, and they're like, oh, it's time for God to show up. It's the cool of the day. That's the sound. And I don't know what he sounds like walking through a garden kind of an interesting thing to ponder. Is it actually God walking that makes a sound, or is it the sound of all of the animals and all of nature worshiping him as he walks by? Is it the sound of all of the ground shaking as the mighty creator walks by? I, I don't know. It, 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 I have fun thinking about it, but I don't know. But they recognized it. But when they sinned, relationship was broken. But if you follow through in your Bible... It's the story of him putting it back together. And if you flip all the way to the end, okay, one page short of the end. This is his, what he says was going to happen. And God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He goes, in the end, my goal is that we're together. And I, I begin to look at this, and I'm like, okay, so this is exciting, this is his plan. But sadly, as Christians, especially in America, we have taken this and pushed it off and said, that's what's going to happen after death. And we have removed Christianity from our life and put it to what happens after we die. But God's plan doesn't start when you die. 
In fact, he says that when you become in Christ, you become a new creation. He goes through, it started now. He's like, that's the death of the old man. I want to walk with you. In fact, Jesus says that eternal life is to know him. And that's in my notes somewhere. It's John something, but it ran away. Um, but, but he goes through and says that in, in Luke, Jesus is talking, and he says that for the love, he says that there's, for the cares of this world, many are choked. They go through and they get distracted. He goes, they, they forget what we're actually living for. He goes, I want to walk and to live in relationship with them, with us. That's his goal. That's his plan for us. But so often, we, we cut it off. We're like, yeah, like, I, I got so much to do. I know I should spend time with God. I know that God wants to, 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 to be in a relationship with me, but, but man, look at the time. There's, there's so much going on. And it, it, can become, it can become death by neglect. When you think of killing something, um, most of us, at least I, I think um, active. I think of killing something, I think of an action. But did you know that you can kill things by lack of action? My kids have tested this theory. Um, my kids love little, little creatures. And I can't tell you how many different little creatures that they have captured and put in like a peanut butter jar. And they're like, yeah, we have a toad, a frog, a bug, or something. And they're running around playing with it. You're like, oh, cool. But then they're like, they didn't want to let it go. And eventually they learned that this was a bad idea. But like, we'd tell them to let it go, and then somebody wouldn't obey, and they would like, set it out on the porch so they could come back and play with their toad later. But if you leave a toad in a peanut butter jar on the sunny porch, you come back to a fried toad. And, and they did this to a few different toads and frogs and critters um, that... that that they collected, that they then neglected, and then it was death by neglect. In fact, if you look up child abuse, our, our, our laws here in the U.S., they include neglect. They go, you can be abusive by neglect. And so I, I begin to look at this going that, that things can die not just because of what I do. It's not just active. It can be a passive Passive murder? Passive killing? It's just a weird thing to think. But that's what happens to so many people's walk with God. It's death by neglect. And they go through and they're, they're, they're living their Christian life, but they don't make time for them. Revelation chapter 3, verse... Um, I guess the end of verse one and then verse two. Uh, he's talking to this group and he goes, I know your works. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. He goes, wake up. Strengthen what remains. He goes, you're falling apart and you don't even know it. I looked and two Verse 5, speaking to this group, he goes, um, 
Or verse four, he says, I have this against you that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. And I, I begin to look at this and go, okay, so there's this death by neglect. There's things that we can own that we're not using. God wants a relationship with us. But did you know that an offer extended is not an offer received? That my wife lovingly corrected me this week as there was a lot of people who offered to help me with stuff in my basement after the flood. And I had used a few, but I had not um, recruited all of the help that was going to be required. She's like, you have got to get a hold of people. They said to call them. Like, all right, I think I have enough of a game plan now that I can call them and have something for them to come help me do. I had to realize that just because they offered it, it didn't happen. Just because they wanted to be there for me didn't mean that they were because I had to receive the offer that was made. Do you realize that God has made an offer that we have to receive? That God says, I want to walk with you, but we have to respond. Just because God wants something doesn't mean that it happens. Sometimes we get on that myth that, oh, well, if God wants a relationship with me, it's automatically going to happen. If God wants something to happen, it's what happens. But that's not the case. See, God wanted Adam and Eve to do what he told them to do. He told them, do not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. They did. And just like his command to them, they still had a choice. His invitation to us, we still have a choice. And he goes, will you walk with me? I want a relationship with you. And I begin to just look at this going, okay, let's get like really practical for a minute. Tomorrow is coming. What point of tomorrow, of your tomorrow, does Jesus have? If we're going to say, hey, we're going to walk with Jesus, all right, let's do it. Where is Jesus going to show up on your agenda tomorrow? Where is he going to show up on mine? I made this discovery a while back. It was easier for me to spend time with Jesus on a day that was really busy than it was on a day that wasn't. If I had all the time in the world, I was more likely to neglect God than if I was overly busy. If I was like overly busy, you're like, you know what's going to happen? If I don't spend time, if I don't like put God first, he is not, it is not going to happen. Like this day, we're going to hit the ground running. You're like, I'm going to have to set my alarm on purpose so I can spend time with Jesus because otherwise it ain't going to happen. But then you get that day where you're like, I have nothing. And then you have kids and that kind of never happens again. But, um, <laughs> but you get that point where you're like, okay, I get to just sleep in. It's like this. You're like, I don't need to wake up to spend time with Jesus early because I can wake up late and spend time with Jesus. And so you sleep in and then you sleep in and then you get up and then you're like, oh, well, there is a kid who's awake or hey, there's a breakfast that needs to be cooked or there's, and all of a sudden you look and you're like, what happened to my day? But I think that a lot of, that's happened to a lot of us one day after another. And all of a sudden, it's been this death by neglect where our relationship with God is distant because we haven't been on purpose to go, God, you said that you wanted a relationship with me and you already like gave your life in pursuit of me. 
how am I going to respond? Can I spend time with you? And I just want to give you this challenge. All right, tomorrow. And if you, if you take it up tomorrow, if you want to do like really rock it out, make it for the week, okay? You need to do three things, and none of this is going to surprise you. You ready? Read your Bible. Pray. And take some time to worship. Some people go, but, but I can't sing. That's okay. Neither can I. Um, I guess technically I can sing. It's just not many people want to hear it when I do. But like when I sing happy birthday to somebody, it is horrible. But I might be the, the voicemail that they say because it's so bad. But they, it still makes them smile. But worship isn't just a matter of singing a song. You can stand there, stand out and look out your window and go, God, look at this beautiful world that you made. Can I just worship and be grateful for you? You can look there and go, you know what? Maybe you turn in from your window and look at your, your home. You look at your family and go, God, thank you. Thank you. The Bible says that as you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Um, see, many of us are trying to produce fruit of overflowing relationship by discipline instead of connection. See, in Galatians chapter 5, it calls things the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. In John chapter 15, he says that if we want to produce fruit, we need to abide in him. But a lot of people, a lot of times, we can sit here and go, I just need to be more patient. I just need to be more patient. I don't want to be patient right now. I need to be more patient. I need to be more kind. I need to be more gentle. I feel anything but those. And he goes, if you want to do that, you don't sit there and go, like an apple tree doesn't go, apple, apple. That, that's not how it produces an apple. It just like, it, it's planted in the ground and the branches stay connected to the trunk and the trunk brings the, the life up from the root and the branches reach out and then the, the branches produce fruit. And the Bible tells, Jesus tells us here in John 15, he goes, if you want to produce this fruit, just stay connected to me. He goes, if you can stay connected to me, there's life. He goes, when you stay connected to him, in him there's joy. In him there's freedom. In him, fear has to leave. In him, depression is broken. In him, there is love. In him, there is purpose. In him, there's forgiveness. In him, there's grace. In him, there are promises. In him, there's healing. In him, there's identity. In him, there's newness of life. In him, there's hope. In him, there's life. There is so much that's in him that he wants to get to us, but we have to abide in him and walk in relationship with him. And out of a relationship with him, these, this fruit will begin to produce in our life. And it's an amazing and powerful thing that God wants to walk with us. And when he does, he wants to produce life in and through us. But he gives this invitation. He says, will you walk with me? In fact, he, 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 we're at different spots. Some people have, have started. Some people's relationship is at death by neglect. Some people's is flourishing. But he starts it out and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice, voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. 
And I want to start there in going eight. Here, online, viewing later, whatever it may be, God wants a relationship with you. And in him, there is so much. But he wants to fellowship with us. He wants to be a part of every part of our day. And we can't compartmentalize and be like, well, I gave God this. Doop, 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 doop. Like, a lot of times we want it to be like a Lego block set, but your life is like a jug of water. You drop a bit of dye in there and it doesn't stay in one cube. It just spreads throughout. And God goes, will you, will you give me you? Will you let me? Will you let me in? Can we walk together? Can we talk together? Can you set time aside to, to spend some time in my word? Can you take some time aside to pray? Can you take some time to just worship and thank me and include me? It's an amazing and powerful thing. And if you don't know my God, he's knocking. He's saying, will you have a relationship with me? Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? If you're here and say, today, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to know that my sins are forgiven, that I'm right with God on my way to heaven. I want to start that relationship today. Then I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, get ready. One, two, three. So that's me. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If you're online, you can type it in the chat. Hey, that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Awesome. And also, that's me. All right. We're going to say a simple prayer. If you've done this before, great. Join us. Um, if this is your first time responding to Jesus' call, then go ahead and repeat after me. Say, God, thank you for loving me even when I've made mistakes. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for forgiving me, for washing me new. I want to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.